Have you ever felt a visceral attraction to a politician? There is not a liberal America and a conservative America. There is the United States of America. I am your voice. Ask yourself if they're really telling the truth. This is a secret innuendo being leaked out there about me. I was honestly concerned that he might lie about the nature of our meeting. This is Subliminally Correct, a bi-weekly podcast where we examine all the ways politicians and newsmakers are using psychological tactics to influence you every single day. And now, join myself, Taylor Sherman, certified hypnosis instructor and executive coach, along with my co-host, Alex Dobranek, political consultant and certified consulting hypnotist, on this episode of Subliminally Correct. And welcome to another episode of Subliminally Correct. Taylor, what's up for this week? So today we're going to be talking about Bernie Sanders and his entry into the 2020 presidential race. And Bernie has, you know, run before. He ran in 2016. And one of the big things that he is communicating in this race is how different his race is now than it was back then. And so even though he still has that same, you know, base message, he's going to be really emphasizing a couple of things that are different. Uh, Some things are policy decisions. Some things are call to action, in particular, a number of volunteers that he wants to have on his campaign. So we're going to be listening to a couple of different things here in this episode. Now, the first thing we're going to be listening to are two ads that Bernie released. One ad is an ad that's very motivational, very um, has music playing in the background, has that type of thing where he's talking about these big picture ideas. Extremely interesting. And the second ad is where he says that he has reached his 1 million volunteers for his campaign. Now, after we get into that, we're actually going to be breaking down his announcement speech, which he did over a video on the Internet. And it's just filled with all sorts of interesting things, you know, that are there. But before we get into this, I'd really like to remind everyone, if you really love this content and enjoy the show, please consider donating on Patreon. And Patreon is the way in which you can support the show. You can go and donate for as little as a cup of coffee to keep this show on the air, keep us recording this great content each and every time for you. And so please do support the show. Podcasts aren't free. Um, We really support. We really appreciate your support, and your support does indeed matter. So please go on over to do that. You can find the link in the show notes. And without further ado, let's go ahead and take a listen to this first ad by Bernie, where we're all going to get very nice and inspired. Let's start. Real change never takes place from the top on down, but always from the bottom on up. Sanders' healthcare for all idea is gaining steam. Free tuition, free college tuition, free tuition champion, Senator Bernie Sanders. Bernie Sanders added, the greatest threat to national security is climate change. The future of our planet is at stake. Sanders taking on Amazon. Bernie Sanders has been consistent hammering about income inequality. Nobody in America works 40 hours a week, should be living in poverty. Our economy is rigged. We have a campaign finance system which is corrupt. Sanders leading the charge to stop war against Yemen. The first time ever the Senate has voted to end an unauthorized war. The fight against injustice has been the work of his life. Jobs and education, not jails and incarceration. We are not going to 
to retreat on women's rights. Sanders pushing a bold agenda that includes protecting DACA recipients and comprehensive immigration reform. You don't rip little children away from the arms of their mother. A major announcement from Amazon. Amazon will raise its minimum wage to 15 bucks an hour. 350,000 workers, thousands of workers at Disney World will get raises. It's a victory for Bernie Sanders. It's a victory for all workers. Brothers and sisters, we have a lot of work in front of us. If we are prepared to stand together, there is no end to what the great people of our nation can accomplish. So we hear here a very inspirational ad from Bernie Sanders taking a lot of different clips of him speaking in different speeches, things that people found most compelling, and really bringing them all together with uh, not just his voice, but the voice of news anchors who, uh, I guess, were approving of his policies. The music in the background of the set, kind of very inspirational thematic music. It's that, it's that moment in the movie where the hero is finally doing something really, you know, worthwhile. I mean, it's, it's, it's almost like, you know, I, I hear that music and I'm imagining like, you know, Titanic or, uh, you know, something some like Cuba Gooding Jr. or something like that. You know, it's 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 just this kind of, uh, you know, very powerful kind of inspirational music that that is taking off. And then in the background, of course, he has his message and he's hammering in this message again and again and again and again. All of what he wants people to remember. Right. He sort of starts off with this phrase, real change never takes place from the top down. And first off, what, is that, what does that sentence even mean, right? So we start off with real change. Well, what is real change? And why can it never take place from the top down? Really? Right. Never? Are there no instances in American history, Supreme Court rulings or presidential um, acts or wars or anything? Nothing that ever created change. Remember that vague word change. Uh, it's never been created from the top down. Very interesting there. And then he leads into that after that with these professional sounding, you know, news anchor types, this, you know, they could be anybody like honestly, like they might not ever have aired on television. It could just be somebody uh, with a microphone saying these words. But the but the voice says free tuition, free college tuition, free tuition champion Bernie Sanders. Mm. Why does he repeat that? three times it's it's pretty obvious actually that's his most galvanizing issue from the 2016 election that got all these kids and young people so interested in his campaign but now they want to you know reinvigorate them and so remind everybody and say it three different ways right they're hammering that in and i just I, i don't know if you stop and you think about it a little bit you really have to ask why exactly did they stop to emphasize that so much yeah, it's the word free, right? And if you say something is free, that's that's very appealing to people. It's free, free tuition, free college tuition. And I think, you know, the fact that young people were so were so into this, you know, are they are they also going to be into it once they have completed their education? You know, do they think that it's going to be, you know, uh, past based, you know, that, that something is there? Are they still going to be into it when they're past the age in which they'd actually like education? Um and we hear, you know, all of these things are, are tied together in, in this way. And he has this, 
an interesting uh, little sound bite here that he says, jobs and education, not jails and incarceration. And he's actually that comes from his announcement speech. So that's something that, you know, we were as we were reviewing his announcement speech, we kind of flagged this little, you know, sound bite in which he was saying, which when you take things like that, that are rhyming and that are contrasting like that, it makes a very deep imprint upon a person's mind. You know, they remember that type of thing and it sounds like the person is smart and they, you know, actually know what they're talking about there. Yeah. And then he sort of segues into this interesting thing where the, the newscaster says, um, you know, uh, talks about the $15 minimum wage that, uh, and flashes on the screen that, uh, you know, that's because of Bernie Sanders the newscaster comes on and says, it's a victory for Bernie Sanders. But then Bernie Sanders sort of jumps in and says, no, it's a victory for all of us. And then <laughs> these words flash onto the screen, fierce, vision, leader. And it has these attributions to, I guess, news agencies. But it's just right. quoting the word. It's like, you ever see those like <laughs> those uh, uh, movie posters where it takes a quote completely out of context from, you know, some from some critic and you're like, I would really yeah. like to read the rest of that, but you can't. And you're never going to hunt down exactly where did the New York Times say the word fierce? Like, <laughs> yeah, at some point, somewhere, some news <laughs> network said this word, you know, and, and supposedly they were saying it with regard to Bernie Sanders. Um, and is anyone actually going to fact check that? You know, no, no one is, no one's because that wouldn't make for, for good news, you know, to be able to do that. And what does it really matter that, you know, one newspaper somewhere has called Bernie this, this thing, you know, what does it actually, you know, mean? And, uh, but this is social proof, right? It's saying, Hey, he's liked by people. Some people believe that he is that way. Therefore you should believe that he is that way. Well, people can have varying opinions just because one person believes it doesn't mean that it's, you know, true for for everyone. Um, And then he has the ending there. Right. If we are prepared to stand together, you know, there's there's nothing that the great people of our nation can accomplish. And this is a big theme. You know, you'll notice with Bernie's speech is that he's talking about how we are running. We we the movement are doing something. So when he wins. It's not like Bernie Sanders actually won, right? The movement won. But that's what politicians try to convince us of all the time, is that we're not really running for them. We're not really doing all of these things, you know, for example, voting or campaigning or canvassing or telling our friends and family about them or posting about them. We're not doing all of that for the candidate. We're doing it because of the movement or because of this thing that the candidate, you know, represents. And of course, then they get into office and, you know, what they actually, you know, end up doing can be very varied. Right. And supposedly they're still representing what they said they were going to do. It's just that how they described it on the campaign trail was so vague or so ambiguous or kind of up in um, up in the air exactly what they were going to accomplish. And unless they commit to a specific policy, how do you how do you hold them that them to that? You know, like like Trump said, I'm going to build a wall. And then we find out that it's a steel barrier or it's a fence now, or it could just be more border patrol agents. Like, what does that actually mean? And yet that was a seemingly concrete, you know, campaign promise. So, you know, when when he has this, that, uh, you know, kind of makes you wonder, is he actually going to implement all of this type of thing? 
So now we're going to listen to another one of these ads for Bernie. And this is after his announcement speech. And Bernie is going to be talking about his one million volunteers that he has enrolled in this vision of his. So let's take a listen to this one. And again, this is more of him building his message, building that sense of faith that people can have in him. Let's take a listen to it. Hey, everybody. I am happy to tell you uh, that today we have reached an historic threshold in our 2020 campaign. Less than one week after we began this campaign, we now have one million volunteers in every congressional district in this country who are prepared to roll up their sleeves and get to work to make sure that we win the Democratic nomination, that we defeat Trump, and that we transform the economic and political life of our country. I think all of you understand that when we talk about health care for all, when we talk about raising the minimum wage, when we talk about combating climate change, we are taking on enormously powerful special interests. You know who they are. We're talking about Wall Street. We're talking about the healthcare industry. We're talking about the fossil fuel industry. We're talking about the pharmaceutical companies. We're talking about the military industrial complex, the private prison industry. These are really powerful guys. They have unlimited amounts of money and a lot of political muscle in Washington. And the only way I know that we defeat them is when millions of people at the grassroots level stand up and fight back and demand a government and an economy that works for all of us, not just the 1%. So let me thank the 1 million people who have already signed on. And let me ask those of you who haven't signed on, come on board. This is gonna be an historic campaign and we are gonna make history. So thank you all very much. Talk to you soon. This is a really interesting ad that he has right here. You know, obviously this is an ad that's to his supporters. It's on his Facebook page. And he's really talking to people who are already bought into the movement or perhaps exploring the idea of joining the movement. And so what does he lead with? He starts off with talking about how many people have already joined the movement. And when he says it, just listen to the way that he demarks the words with his voice. One million volunteers. And then he pauses. And then he continues. In every congressional district in this country. Well, You've got 1 million volunteers in every congressional district in the country. Are they in every single district? So there's millions and millions and millions and millions. Or is it 1 million among all of the districts in the country? And he sort of blurs the words there with just enough sort of vagary and sort of sleight of language there that it actually makes it seem like it's even more people than it might even be. Yeah, this is a scope ambiguity. So this is it's ambiguous exactly to the scope of what he's talking about. Is he talking about one million in the broad sense or is he talking about it in a, in a uh, smaller sense? Um, it's, it's ambiguous. And so the meaning of it cannot be interpreted exactly from the words in which the person has said. And it's up to the listener to interpret it in, quote unquote, the correct way. But what is the correct way? Well, it depends on how the persuasion you know, actually happens, basically. Now, another interesting thing about this as he starts off is that he talks about reaching this historic threshold. Now, what does that even mean? What does it mean that he has reached a historic threshold? You know, just the fact that anyone does anything is, in fact, historic. (laughs) It is history. (laughs) So, you know, how how do we, you know, does he mean that it's going to be in the history books? 
you know, that someone is actually going to write down in a history book that, you know, Bernie Sanders got one million volunteers for his campaign. <laughs> um, you know, wh- what exactly does that mean? And that, that too is very, is very vague. Why, why would we care that it's that type of threshold? But it does seem like the type of thing that we would like to listen to because it sounds good. It sounds like the type of thing that we would really like to listen to and we would like to believe. Yeah, and he gets into this uh, this other little verbal technique where he starts sort of leading statements. So first he says, I think all of you understand that when we talk about this issue and when we talk about that issue and when we talk about this issue and what he's doing here is he starts by sort of, you know, assuming that you guys are already on board that you already understand what he's going to say and by sort of uh putting that social pressure on you that expectation your mind sort of fills in the way of course i know this of course i already know what you're about to say to me because there's that presumption of knowledge and so uh he goes into it and and does that sort of pacing um, you know, we're talking about this, we're talking about that, we're talking about this, all of these things that he just lists that are unrelated because he's clumping them together. He's sort of grouping them as, you know, all being related to one another. And what are they all related to these enormously powerful special interests? And you know who they are. Yeah. Which ones are they? You know, who, who are those special interests that, that we're always talking about? Well, it's anyone that he has mentioned across his entire career, or it's anyone who has a similar, uh, is perhaps grouped with him in terms of politics or policy that they've mentioned, or it's anything that someone, you know, thinking along the same lines has watched on Facebook as a conspiracy clip, you know, that, you know, perhaps they've mentioned. What is that? We don't know who these people are, um, but when you leave it up to interpretation like that, person's going to fill in their favorite one i mean i'm sure we have our favorite ones right alex like we can we can think about some (laughs) those those big powerful special interests right right and we're talking about this and we're talking about that and we're talking about the other thing you know it's really you have to follow along and fill in the blanks as you're going along and listening to the things that he's sort of presenting to you and grouping them all together, even though the special interests that he lists might have completely different actual interests. But um, he's sort of just building up the villain. And then, of course, he closed it all out by saying, you know, all of these bad things that I just told you are behind all of the things wrong in this country. Well, there's only one way to fix it. And that's by (laughs) doing exactly what I tell you to do and joining all of these people who have already joined with me. And does this sort of he does this bandwagony thing, um, and it's just it's you know it's kind of funny to watch, but at the same time, it's a little bit of a leap of logic. Yeah, and one of the things that is really most powerful about this particular ad is that in a moment we're going to listen to the announcement speech, and in his announcement speech he says, you know, I'm going to ask you to become part of a grassroots campaign. I'm going to ask for one million volunteers. And then like a week later, he he just came out with this ad that you just listened to, and he talks about, we got it. We got one million volunteers. And somehow he must have known that he was going to be able to do that, <laughs> right? Um, I don't think that he would have left it up to chance. You know, somehow, you know, a week is not a very long time, right? So somehow he must have known that that was, you know, something he was going to be able to do. 
But the point is, like, he set out that expectation that this is going to happen. And a million, oh my gosh, it sounds like so much. We've got it. We're going to get a million. And then a week later, we got a million. And what does that lead people to believe? It's like, wow, he said he was going to do and he did it. So all this other big ideas, all these other big ideas that he has, he's going to do those too. Okay, so that's that's the kind of leap. That's how it all gets connected together. And really what he says after the fact that we got one million volunteers, it doesn't matter that much that he's you know factually correct on all of those points because they've already bought into the fact that he was right about something earlier on in the sequence. Okay, this is called pyramiding. So you pyramid ideas together to make a perhaps a harder idea to accept, easier to accept now because a lot of other ideas have come before it. Um, kind of like in sales, they do you know a, a, a closing where they're saying, hey, this is true, this is true, this is true. And because we've told you all this stuff, now the next thing I'm going to say is going to be true as well. Now, let's get on to the announcement speech in which he's announcing his run for president in 2020. And again, listen to how he's going going through this, right? What is it that he is starting to go go into here? And this speech, you know, unlike a lot of Bernie's kind of off-the-cuff remarks, and we know that Bernie loves the off-the-cuff remarks, this speech in particular is very rehearsed, and as he's looking at the camera, you can tell it's totally scripted, and what is it that Bernie talks about when he's scripted? Well, not too different from his off-the-cuff remarks, but he does add in even more of the persuasive devices. So let's see if we can isolate those and really notice what they are and notice how, well, this might be fun to notice how he is going to be using them as the campaign is going forward. So uh, we're going to be starting off here at the beginning of the speech where he's inviting us to join this grassroots campaign. Hi, I'm Bernie Sanders. I'm running for president, and I'm asking you today to be part of an unprecedented grassroots campaign of one million active volunteers in every state in our country. Our campaign is not only about defeating Donald Trump, the most dangerous president in modern American history. It is not only about winning the Democratic nomination and the general election. Our campaign is about transforming our country and creating a government based on the principles of economic, social, racial, and environmental justice. Our campaign is about taking on the powerful special interests that dominate our economic and political life. I'm talking about Wall Street, the health insurance companies, the drug companies, the fossil fuel industry, the military industrial complex, the private prison industry, and the large multinational corporations that exert such an enormous influence over our lives. Our campaign is about redoubling our efforts to end racism, sexism, homophobia, religious bigotry, and all forms of discrimination. Our campaign is about creating a vibrant democracy with the highest voter turnout of any major country on earth while we end voter suppression, Citizens United, and outrageous levels of gerrymandering. And you see the way that he starts out with this. You know, just like Taylor said, I'm going to ask you to join the movement. And what am I going to do? I'm going to get one million volunteers. And again, you can hear that, that the way that he marks his voice when he says that, one million volunteers. 
he does it again and again. And that can't be anything but anchoring right there because he knows that if he says it in this specific way now, you're going to remember the way that he says it that specific way later. And it builds that sort of that call back that your memory is going to call back to that moment later. Um, oh, I've heard that before. I've heard, but you know, you won't think of it consciously, but subconsciously, your mind is going to remember, this is a big number. I've heard it said before. And one of the things that Bernie is doing in this clip is he's really hitting on those keywords. So he hits on the progressive keywords that the progressives want to hear. Um, he does begin to define, well, a tiny bit what special interests are. You know, he talks about Wall Street, okay, the healthcare industry. And again, do we know specifically which com- companies he's talking about? No, it's just Wall Street, okay? You know, as if Wall Street is this powerful, bad, you know, evil demon over there and, you know, the healthcare industry. Okay, that's also, you know, a bad thing. Or, you know, this, uh, the military industrial complex. These are all, you know, keywords that his, his uh, voters, the people who are going to vote for him, are listening to. Our campaign, he says, and so it's not, again, it's not Bernie's campaign, it's our campaign. Again, this is so powerful in making him seem like, wow, this is not, this is truly a, a political movement and not just voting for a person, is about getting rid of sexism, racism, homophobia, bigotry. Get rid of and everything. So, Get rid of everything, Um, but especially President Trump, um, because he's defining basically Bernie is this guy against bigotry. He's for fairness. He's for equality. He is the angel on the shoulder. And who's the devil? Well, it is, of course, Donald Trump. Because Donald Trump is the the worst person on the planet. He's a bigot. You know, this is how it's being framed by Bernie, right? And his supporters certainly would see that as being true. And, you know, again, just hammering on those words, voter turnout, Citizens United, gerrymandering. Do we have to actually know all of the details of what he's talking about? Just so long as we kind of know in general, you know, what is he saying? It's like all of this is what's wrong with the political system. And if we don't fix these things, which Donald Trump doesn't want to fix these things, he's saying that's the problem with our country. So if you just do what I say and vote for me and vote for our movement, then all of this bad stuff, including the sexism, racism, etc., all of that is going to go away and you're going to be or the country is going to be or someone is going to be in a better place. <laughs> That's basically his idea. Yeah, it, You know, all of this almost reminds me of back in the primaries in 2016, uh, the Bernie people were handing out these flyers that would, you know, that they basically promised the moon. You know, we're going to end the sexism. We're going to end that Bernie Sanders is promising to end racism. Like that was his like first hundred great promise right there. And it's like, okay, sure, Bernie. All right. But here's the thing, though, is that it doesn't actually have to be plausible. It's a primary. And so you can promise the moon whatever you want. You've got nothing to lose because, you know, this guy, he's a senator. He's old as dirt. He's going to be in the Senate until he dies or until he quits. He really has nobody to answer to anymore. And he can say whatever he wants because all there is is upside. There's winning the primary and then winning the presidency. There's no downside. And so that's a really interesting tactic that he's that he's planning to use here. And he's doing it again. Um, And I think that it's going to, once again, be very powerful for him because he can promise things that might not be deliverable. 
Now, in this next clip, you're going to hear Bernie Sanders use a really great verbal technique. He's going to be almost listing off things that should or should not exist in this country in this repetitive fashion where he keeps on using the same preface and then listing this greater terrible thing. And I want you to listen to exactly what it is and see if you can um, catch the point where he makes leaps in logic and where he sort of ties completely unrelated things together into this umbrella of a conclusion. You know as well as I do that we are living in a pivotal and dangerous moment in American history. We are running against a president who is a pathological liar, a fraud, a racist, a sexist, a xenophobe, and someone who is undermining American democracy as he leads us in an authoritarian direction. I am running for president because now more than ever, we need leadership that brings us together, not divides us up. Women and men, black, white, Latino, Native American, Asian American, gay and straight, young and old, native born and immigrant. Now is the time for us to stand together. I'm running for president because we need leadership that will fight for working families and the shrinking middle class, not just the 1%. We need a president who understands that we can create millions of good paying jobs, rebuilding our crumbling infrastructure and constructing the affordable housing we desperately need. I am running for president because we need trade policies that reflect the interests of workers and not multinational corporations. We need to raise the minimum wage to a living wage, provide pay equity for women, and guarantee all workers paid family and medical leave. I'm running for president because we need to understand that artificial intelligence and robotics must benefit the needs of workers, not just corporate America and those who own that technology. I'm running for president because a great nation is judged not by how many billionaires and nuclear weapons it has, but by how it treats the most vulnerable, the elderly, the children, our veterans, the sick and the poor. I'm running for president because we need to make policy decisions based on science, not politics. So there we hear the shoulds, right? We should do this, but it shouldn't be like this. And what is it that he's really emphasizing the most? It's all of the ways that the world shouldn't be. Okay, the world shouldn't be this way. We shouldn't have this. We shouldn't have that. We shouldn't have this other thing. Notice how he's not proposing solutions. He's just making a moral judgment saying this shouldn't be this way. It shouldn't be you know, that way. And since a lot of people feel that things shouldn't be that way, he's playing into that sense that they already have that inside of them. And so this is a pace. And again, a pacing statement or a pace is where you're giving a person and saying something that is already true in that person's model of the world, the way they're already thinking. And so when you're saying that to them, they go, oh, yes, I already know that to be true. And because I already know that to be true, I agree with you and you have some additional you know, credibility in my world. So we talk a lot about this is how you know it shouldn't be. Um, we should not have a regressive tax system. Now, is that the opposite of a progressive tax system? So we know a progressive tax is where 
you know, people of higher income levels, you know, once they reach that higher income level, they're getting, you know, taxed. It's progressive taxation is the opposite of that regressive taxation. Regressive sounds like a step backward. It sounds like this is something antiquated. This is something we need to get rid of. Um, but notice how that was very persuasively just kind of, you know, threw that in there. And what Bernie does a lot with his intonation patterns, with his way of speaking, is that he naturally creates what are called punctuational ambiguities. And what that means is that by the way he says things, he's purposely making it very ambiguous. So he, by the way that he says the sentence, and in other words, the speed he says it and his pauses, okay? So he says at the beginning, we need to create a government, dot, 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 and economy, dot, 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 that, this, this other thing, you know, that, that it's going to do. And what does he mean there by creating a government? And what does he mean by creating an economy? You know, is it a government and economy? And how does that relate to what he says next? This is just the way in which he's speaking. And because he speaks like this a lot of the time, I don't know whether he's doing it on purpose or not, okay? But because he speaks this way a lot of the time, people can interpret his message in multiple ways. And, you know, I do think that that actually helps him. Right. He uses those those vague language techniques to get people to almost fill in the blank again, exactly what they're thinking, and come to the conclusion that, oh, you know, he is saying these very vague things. I filled in my own blank, so he must be advocating for exactly the same thing that I am, even though that may be completely untrue. But what I really love is the way that he almost gets to the conspiracy theory level where, you know, he might have a lot of really great points, but at the same time, he starts talking about these shadowy figures who, you know, you know who they are. They've got money and power um, and uh, and unlimited money, by the way, unlimited wealth. Uh, does anybody have unlimited wealth? Well, you know, he he certainly would. You could argue about that, but he's not arguing about that. He's just saying it as though it's a fact. And, you know, it. If you go back and listen to our episode, um, you know, back on Infowars, you can sort of hear some of those techniques where they start blaming the, you know, these shadowy figures who have the money and the power and whatever it is um, for all of the ills of society. And you can just hear sort of the same, the same uh, techniques and the same phrasings. And I think that's where you start seeing the real persuasiveness of it all is that if it's able to get all of these people, this technique is able to get all these people to believe something that is demonstrably false, what's to say that somebody using this exact same technique um, for maybe the complete opposite purpose is not just saying false things as well? It's, it's sort of a, a way for you to check yourself if you find somebody using techniques like this to you know stop and say oh this is a moment where i need to critically analyze what this person is saying and i feel like too many people don't sort of take that moment when they hear these phrases about you know shadowy people controlling everything and making everything bad in the world because of course there's a singular group of people who are making all the bad things in this world and it's not a complex yeah. system of pushing and pulling and levers and you know a, 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 an organization with fluidic dynamics 
Like, no, there's just a group of people who sit around a, a table and conspire against you. Yeah, and it's great to have someone to blame. It's great to be able to point the finger at someone who is essentially the devil where you can look at them and you can say, oh, that person is really doing something not good. And if you point to a shadow, you know, people are always more afraid of shadows than they are of the actual thing. And it's a lot easier to talk about a particular issue by talking in this vague generality. So what is that point, you know, in which you need to critically analyze and listen, you know, like Alex was just talking about? The point is when you hear vagueness, when you hear a lot of vague language, when you hear someone talking about something that, you know, is, is this, is this big shadow, you know, what they're talking about, you know, what they're talking about. Yeah. These, this, this, this very, um, you know, uh, very vague presentation and, you know, what is it like then if you can, you know, stop without getting as emotionally tied up in it, because this is what suspends critical thinking is when a person gets really emotionally involved in it, okay, how, how are they going to then say to Bernie, hey, Bernie, you're not exactly saying exactly what we're talking about here, and so we're not really having a real discussion. Instead, we're just talking about this kind of big idea of all of this horrible stuff that's happening over there and this, well, kind of not very precise vision of exactly how he's going to go about changing all of this. You know, it's just big uh, pie in the sky kind of promises that that is being said. And also notice what is the structure of how he is saying it. So they have the power. They want to maintain the status quo. And the only way we, okay, so there's they and there's we. The only way we will win this election, so in group, out group, okay, the only way we will win this election is to have a grassroots movement. And that's that, you know, progressive idea, grassroots. It's something that is very prized by uh, probably young people, by people who would vote vote for Bernie for sure, because that's that whole idea of a grassroots movement. So they have the money and power, but we have the people. It's a contrast. They've got this. Here's what we've got. Okay. And that is why we need the one million Americans strong. And then, of course, a week later, he announces that he has it. So I guess my question is, is like now that he's announced that, are all of the roots of evil of society actually solved? You know, are they are they effectively, you know, done right now? Well, you know, I guess we'll wait and see. Um, so in this next clip that we're going to be listening to, we're going to be talking about some mind reading techniques that uh, Bernie is actually, you know, using here. And how he's really starting to get into some policy points that he is talking about. But let's notice how he frames them. And he does frame them very persuasively. Um, Let's take a listen to this one. And let's see if you can spot the mind read that he does here within the first 30 seconds or so. You know as well as I do that we are living in a pivotal and dangerous moment in American history. We are running against a president who is a pathological liar a fraud, a racist, a sexist, a xenophobe, and someone who is undermining American democracy as he leads us in an authoritarian direction. I am running for president because now more than ever, we need leadership that brings us together, not divides us up. Women and men, black, white, Latino, Native American, Asian American, gay and straight, young and old, native-born and immigrant. Now is the time for us to stand together. I'm running for president because we need leadership that will fight 
the working families, and the shrinking middle class, not just the 1%. We need a president who understands that we can create millions of good-paying jobs, rebuilding our crumbling infrastructure, and constructing the affordable housing we desperately need. I am running for president because we need trade policies that reflect the interests of workers and not multinational corporations. We need to raise the minimum wage to a living wage, provide pay equity for women, and guarantee all workers paid family and medical leave. I'm running for president because we need to understand that artificial intelligence and robotics must benefit the needs of workers, not just corporate America and those who own that technology. I'm running for president because a great nation is judged not by how many billionaires and nuclear weapons it has, but by how it treats the most vulnerable, the elderly, the children, our veterans, the sick and the poor. I'm running for president because we need to make policy decisions based on science, not politics. So you hear it right at the beginning there. Uh, Bernie Sanders is using that mind reading technique again when he says, you know as well as I do, and then he goes into launching into attacks on the president. What do you actually know as well as he does? Like, what if you're a Republican and you're listening to this? But you know what? You're probably not. You're probably already open to his message. And what he's going to do next is build rapport and strengthen your you know, detachment and anger toward the president. And then, of course, he pivots to all the great things that you do want. And he basically lists out groups of people in America. Of course, you might be one of these people because he lists literally every group in America (laughs) and then talks about how it's time for us to stand together. Yeah. And as, as he talks about this, this is universally including all possibilities. And this isn't the first time we've heard this, this, uh, being said, right. There's, um, in the, uh, speeches, you know, with Ted Cruz and, and Beto when, when Ted Cruz won, remember how he was talking about, you know, from East Texas to West Texas, <laughs> from the panhandle to the Valley. Right. And he went into this whole thing where it's like, wait, what other part of Texas is there? <laughs> <laughs> you know, so what is he really saying? Nothing much. So when we talk about, we want to bring everyone together, men and women, Blacks, whites, Latinos, Asia, you know, every race, every color, every creed, everyone from every, basically everyone. So why does he not just say everyone? Because when he lists it, people can then raise their hand and go, hey, that's me. It's very similar to when Beto in that same, you know, clip that we were doing on uh, with Beto and Ted Cruz and the um, and the uh, types of speeches in which they were giving at the end there, you know, Beto was saying, you know, I'd like to thank all of the canvassers, all of the phone bank, all of this people, all of that people. And he basically named every single person that could have been on his staff in this kind of vague way within, you know, a sentence or two. And when that person hears it, they go, oh, that's me. I'm so glad that I have been you know, included, and yet he didn't really name them by name or anything like that. It was just a category. So as Bernie gives these broad categories, people go, oh, yeah, I'm a man. Wait, I'm a woman. I guess he's talking about me. I'm black. Okay, great. I'm white. I'm Latino. I guess he's talking about me. 
And he has this repetitive refrain. I'm running for president because this, this, this. this. And then he goes into his persuasively framed policy as if that is the reason why he is running for president. You see, that doesn't make any sense. (laughs) He's not running for president because of a policy. He's running for president because of, I don't know, perhaps an an urging within himself to correct some evils in the world. I mean, maybe, I don't know what it is. Maybe he wants the fame and fortune. Who knows? But it's not because of an individual policy only. Right. It's all a lot more complex than that. And it's really easy to sort of bait and switch to throw out, I'm running for president, but then start saying something completely different. But by making that transition and by making it, you know, uh, enough of a, a fluidic pivot, they're suddenly connected. And we hear him then, you know, talking about raising the minimum wage to a living wage. So, you know, what is that? Well, the one of the words stays the same, and then we change, you know, another word, minimum wage, living wage. And again, that's one of those rhetorical, you know, devices and techniques. And here's another great example of how Bernie Sanders uses that punctuational ambiguity like I was just talking about. He says it like this. He says, we need a president who understands dot, dot, dot. That we can create millions of paying jobs. Okay, and then he goes on to talk about the jobs. But what did he say first? He said, we need a president who Mm. understands. Now, notice how you could fill in the blank there with just about anything. It's like we need a president who understands what specifically. Like they understand me. They understand some broad, you know, sense. What is understanding exactly? Okay, but this is how Bernie is actually saying it in this way makes it so persuasive. But because he continues his sentence, it seems like all he meant was to talk about the millions of paying jobs, you know, but the more I hear it, it, the more I think, you know, maybe he means multiple meanings here because that's what he's giving for sure. He is for sure giving multiple meanings as he is talking in in this way. Now, in this next clip, we're going to be talking about some more vague ideas and uh he sort of masks them as policy but he talks about these this policy so vaguely again that you can fill in exactly what you want i am running for president because we need real criminal justice reform we need to invest in jobs and education for our kids not more jails and incarceration we need to end the destructive war on drugs private prisons and cash bail and bring about major police department reform. I'm running for president because we need to end the demonization of undocumented immigrants in this country and move to comprehensive immigration reform. We need to provide immediate legal status for the young people eligible for the DACA program and develop a humane policy for those at the border who seek asylum. I'm running for president because we must end the epidemic of gun violence in this country. We need to take on the NRA, expand background checks, end the gun show loophole, and ban the sale and distribution of assault weapons. I am running for president because we need a foreign policy which focuses on democracy, human rights, diplomacy, and world peace. The United States must lead the world in improving international cooperation in the fight against climate change, militarism, authoritarianism, and global wealth inequality. 
And so you hear Bernie Sanders coming out right here with these uh, these vague policy reforms. Again, he starts with the reasons, you know, why the world is terrible, almost in this list of grievances. And then he builds up the person to blame for all of these problems. Donald Trump and these vague cabal of millionaires and billionaires and the multinational corporations. And then he dives into what I suppose is the inspirational message, which is, you know, all the great vague policies that he wants. So the real criminal justice reform uh, in contrast to the fake criminal justice reform that president trump passed maybe is the reference there i don't know or end the war on drugs okay well what does that include and who does that affect um are we going to end the demonization of undocumented immigrants okay well who's demonizing them and what does demonizing mean does that mean in in incarcerating them locking them up does it mean just treating them badly does it mean just you know, disliking that there are immigrants? What does any of that mean? And is that even a policy that you can prescribe? Or is it just a way to say that you're on the same side as people who like uh, immigrants? Exactly, exactly. And that's that's really a key point right there that Alex just said. It's like, okay, he's he's giving us these big ideas, but is there a policy prescription for this? Or is it just being political? Right. Is this just kind of, oh, well, I care about immigrants. Like, isn't that what he what he's saying? You know, what does demonization you know, actually mean? Well, you know, what, what are we actually talking about there? Um, we need to end the war on drugs. OK, well, you know, the first thing when I heard this, I, I went, well, wait, what do you mean by that? Like, are you talking about marijuana? Are you talking about, you know, that we should have, um, you know, more liberal marijuana laws or are we talking about? You know, the difference between sentencing disparities between, you know, crack and powder cocaine. Are we talking about, you know, something like the opioid epidemic, right? Do we really need to end our war on that? Well, I think that if he got a little bit more specific here, people wouldn't necessarily agree with him because, you know, drugs are still a a big problem, you know, in in the country. And then he has this thing about investing, right? Uh, You you heard this clip in his earlier ad, we need to invest in jobs and education for our kids, not jails and incarceration. And what does he mean we're investing in incarceration in the same way as education? So the word invest here is very unspecified. What does it actually mean to invest in it? You know, what, what is he really, you know, talking about here? Yeah. So he's using all of these vague things. Um, my favorite, of course, was a, fo- a foreign policy that focuses on world peace. <laughs> That's a great one. Okay, great. Uh, I'm sure every politician wants world peace. Exactly. But, um, you know, it's really interesting the way that he uses that. And again, he it refers back to um, these uh, multinational corporations and, and the people pulling all the strings um, behind the scenes. And, um, you know, again, these are this is his uh, motivation to uh, toward him as opposed to away from all the bad things that he was talking about earlier. But, you know, what's kind of weird about all this is that his his uh, motivation toward still kind of sounds like motivation away from things. 
And that's what's really interesting here. It's sort of like it, it's policy prescriptions for people who are really upset. And that and, <laughs> and the fact that he really relates to people who are really upset um, right. is and yell a lot. Right. And it, that's that's what makes him so effective is that people are mad. People are angry. He frames everything. And I'm angry, too. And, you know, we're going to go do something about it. What are we going to do? Well, to be continued. Right. You know? unspecified so yeah he talks about you know we're gonna take on the nra what what does that mean what what is he talking about we're gonna expand background checks you know for guns well in what ways you know we're talking about mental health you know some people think that's an invasion of privacy you know for example um you know is he for privacy you know what are we talking about there um, and he says, you know, the United States needs to be a leader in international cooperation in the fight against climate change, militarism, authoritarianism, and here's a good one, global wealth inequality. So what is he proposing, you know, for exactly here? Is he, is he proposing to solve all wealth problems for all of the countries? And how exactly will that happen? And what is what does he mean exactly when he's against, you know, mil- militarism? You know, it's very it's very vague, you know, in, in that sense. And I think he likes keeping it that way because some of the policies that he's promoting might not be, you know, that well received by a lot of the Democratic base, for example. And just notice one, you know, key word choice here. He talks about the fight against well, he wants to end the war on drugs, okay, but he's fine with fighting against all of these other things. So how is a fight against different from a war, right? It's just a subtle little word shift that when he makes that word shift, all of a sudden it takes away the stigma of, of the war, okay? We don't, we don't want a war on drugs. We just want to fight against, you know, something having to do with it. So now in this next clip here, you'll hear one of my favorite things here. And this sort of calls back to the point that I made earlier about, you know, all of these good things that we're sort of headed toward, if you vote for me, um, they still kind of sound like they're pushing you away from something bad. And I think he sort of acknowledges that here. And so you'll hear this right at the beginning of this clip. Needless to say, there is a lot of frightening and bad bad news in this world. Now, let me give you some very good news that we should all be very proud of. Three years ago, during our 2016 campaign, when we brought forth our progressive agenda, we were told that our ideas were radical and they were extreme. We were told that Medicare for all, a $15 an hour minimum wage, free tuition at public colleges and universities, aggressively combating climate change, demanding that the wealthy start paying their fair share of taxes. We were told that all of these concepts were ideas that the American people would never accept. Well, three years have come and gone. And as a result of millions of Americans standing up and fighting back, all of these policies and more are now supported by a majority of Americans. Together, you and I and our 2016 campaign began the political revolution. Now it is time to complete that revolution and implement the vision that we fought for. So here is my question for you. Will you stand with me 
as part of a million-person grassroots movement which can not only win the Democratic nomination, not only win the general election, but most importantly, help transform this country so that finally we have a government that works for all of us and not just the few. Together, we can create a nation that leads the world in the struggle for peace and for economic, racial, social, and environmental justice. And together, we can defeat Donald Trump and repair the damage he has done to our country. Brothers and sisters, if we stand together, there is no limit to what we can accomplish. I hope you'll join me. Thank you very much. Wow. And here, just notice how similar this summation of his announcement speech is to other similar speeches in which we've done. You know, when we were talking about the victory speeches, you know, our episode on victory speeches, the ends of the speeches, they all seem to have the same type of pattern, which is that you get into these very big, very abstract ideas, and then there's the call to action. Okay, there's the call to, you know, moving forward in some way. And it isn't always clear exactly what they want you to do to move forward, you know, but it is something. And, you know, it's kind of like just we're going to move together to create this inspirational vision. How exactly is it going to happen? Of course, we know that's unspecified. It's very vague. Um, but, it, you know, it, it just sparks this whole energy, you know, that happens um, at at the end of a speech, was, which, of course, is exactly what you want. Yeah, it's really funny the way that he does this. So the thing that I was referring to right before this clip where, you know, he lists off all the bad things and then um, still lists good things as though they're pushing you away from bad things. Um, he starts off with, you know, there's a lot of frightening bad news. Well, yeah, you just told me all these good things that somehow sounded bad. <laughs> now let me give you some very good news. And <laughs> what what does he lead into? <laughs> I, I almost can't say this with a straight face because all of the good things... It's all about him and his campaign. Right. He leads into all of his progress as a politician. He jumps back to, in 2016, they said, I couldn't run. And in 2016, they said, you have crazy ideas. But now, <laughs> now we've got new ideas that have been, you know, adopted that sounded just like my ideas and more. And more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We were told that our ideas were radical and extreme. You know, we 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 were by the past tense, past yeah, tense. Okay, by who? We were told that that yeah by by the by the shadowy figures. We were told that our ideas were radical and extreme. For example, fifteen dollar an hour minimum wage, free tuition at colleges and universities, and I have some good news. All of these policies and more are supported by the majority of Americans. Now, what does that mean? Does that mean he took an opinion poll? You know, they're actually supported. Who did the poll, right? On what date was the poll done? Is that, you know, does that pollster have a bias? Like, you know, we, we need to know all of this. And it's not the first time that a politician has claimed that their policies are supported by people, right? And, you know, it's because of one poll, for example, that came out with one particular, you know, shade of results. Right. He's playing on sort of the media narrative, right? Is that out there... There's sort of this narrative that, you know, Hillary Clinton, that Bernie Sanders pushed her to the left and that now, you know, 
in order to get ahead of the twenty six the twenty twenty elections. All of the politicians on the Democratic side are sort of jumping over to be the first to adopt the more you know radical uh, positions so that they can not make the Hillary Clinton mistake and be undercut by somebody promising the moon again, like Bernie Sanders. They're all trying to get ahead of him. Um, and so, you know, he's playing on that narrative in really an expert way by, you know, claiming that, oh, all of these positions that, you know, undercut Hillary Clinton last time, well, now everybody's trying not to make that same mistake. And so I'm taking credit for getting everybody to agree with me. And, you know, it, you know, there's legitimate, there's some legitimacy to it. Um, but it's just funny the way that he sort of claims um, that that media narrative that uh, I think a lot of people um, would agree with, but um, he he says it's some sort of a, a victory for the merit of his ideas, and that's sort of a leap of logic right there that that I don't think makes any sense. Yeah, we would think from listening to him that you know, and, and from listening to you know media that has a more liberal bias that everyone likes $15 per hour minimum wage and everyone likes free tuition at college and universities because, you know, why wouldn't you, is is the argument. Like, why wouldn't you support that? Um, but not everyone supports these policies, right? This this is this is not, um, you know, the, the truth of the matter. And, yes, a lot of people do, certainly more, you know, in recent years than, you know, were in the past. And many companies have, you know, implemented these these types of ideas um, but it's not like there are a lack of voices who are saying that some of these ideas are radical, extreme, and even damaging, right? Um, but, you know, he, he kind of lets go of all of that and just keeps focusing right on, you know, this bright shining star that he's leading people to in this sense of, well, we're just going to get there and then everything's going to get better and you're going to move into this utopia, Right. Because you're going to have the fifteen dollars an hour. And, you know, but he almost makes that leap of logic, though, that because everybody now agrees with him, that must make it a great policy. Right. Um, And that's that's just not true. Yeah. It's saying that, hey, this is popular. Therefore, it's good. And of course, that that is a a huge, you know, difference. And, you know, I'm even surprised that he's making that argument. But again, as Alex said, it's kind of hard to hear some of this stuff and really say it with a straight face. But somehow he does because he's so, you know, practiced with this. And so he gets into this idea of the movement. Will This is the call to action. Will you stand with me? So the movement can win. Okay, the movement can win. Not Bernie. The movement can win. And together we can defeat Donald Trump and repair the damage to complete that revolution. Whoa, what does that mean? Complete the revolution? <laughs> what are we talking about? And implement the vision which vision, what vision? specifically, yeah. <laughs> what are we talking about? And, you know, how he wraps this up is just, you know, the icing on the cake. He brings out, he brings out the gospel. <laughs> brothers and sisters, brothers and sisters, together, there is nothing we cannot accomplish. I hope you'll join me. You know, and it's, it's, it's almost storybook and it's ending. Um, but how does he, how does he say this exactly you know, without seeming at least a little bit hypocritical, I, I, I'm not too sure, you know, but it, it's, it's incredibly persuasive. That That's for sure. All right. And I think that's all the time we've got for this week. Be sure to check out our website at subliminallycorrect.com. And you can head over to Twitter uh, at subliminalpod or uh, check out our Facebook page. 
be sure that while you're at any of these places to navigate over to our Patreon and uh, head on over. You can donate um, just enough to keep us on the air. Um, you can and more. even donate just enough to buy us coffee. Yeah, or and more. <laughs> Uh, because you know, just like we do, that there are forces in this world that want you to not listen to podcasts. And we, we appreciate your support and your support really does matter. And so please do support the show, you know, go on over to Patreon, uh, help us out there and, uh, we'll keep on producing this, you know, great content with you, um, and for you, you know, uh, each and every other week. And so we will see you on the next episode.